0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to We Are Weezer, episode 46, Dope Nose. Today, I am joined by Bill from The Great Albums podcast. Hi, Bill. Hello. Before we jump into song discussion, We Are Weezer is a podcast about Weezer, and I'm your host, Rachel. Sometimes we do song discussion. A guest host and I will scour the internet to find details and fun facts on your favorite Weezer songs. Then we wrap them all up and review them, rate them and using our special rating system and give it to you in one nice show. Or we have our minis, Perfect Situations, where we'll do Weezer News, we'll interview a guest, listener stories, we'll tell you the history behind a special historical Weezer landmark, and sometimes we'll do a new album review.
1: I have a question. Yes. Can you give an example of a Weezer historical landmark?
0: I have done Sound City Studios.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And Cello Studios, I I believe. Mm-hmm. Is it really called Sound City or is that just stuck in my head? Because I think that they recorded something with Maladroit there. Um, Sound
1: City is definitely a studio. I know that.
0: <laughs> it... Well, and something it's now called East West Studios. Okay. And it's out here in uh Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it's really historical. Like it's been around since forever. It used to be a, a grocery store and it was a casino at one point in like Ooh, the twenties. That's cool. So yeah.
1: They must have like hidden passages in the basement for Yeah. Prohibition. Or
0: something, yeah, some kind of speakeasy something happening, mm-hmm. and I think that they kept the doors from like the grocery store, like the like the refrigerator doors or something, oh. is still there. So they've kept some of the history.
1: I imagine that um, freezer doors probably have are are, are good for uh, sound isolation.
0: Yeah, or you know, at, le- at the very least, having a good seal on mm-hmm. yeah. whatever you want to, and put some. Blankets on it and call it a day, or whatever uh-huh. they put on the <laughs> walls at studios. I don't know what that's called.
1: The the acoustic foam yes. padding. That's or a, they that, have just, the
0: like the the. It looks like fabric on like a, the egg crate. No, it actually looks like panels, like a panel with fabric.
1: Yeah, it's the ac- it's called? the acoustic. Oh, the, uh, oh, uh, um, the baffles. Ah, like the movable ones you're thinking of, like you know, like that they put in front of drums. Yes. Those are called baffles. Cool. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I need to, um, I'm actually going to like turn my guest room closet into a podcast room.
1: Is it big enough for you to sit in? Yes. Okay, good.
0: But no clothes can go in there, but whatever. I I think, and I want to like make it look like an actual room so it's not like I'm sitting in a closet with closet (laughs) light above me (laughs) and I need to get blankets or something i don't know i've been like pinteresting diy sound studio whatever's
1: yeah from my experience the best thing to do is to put like thick curtains or like very heavy fabric and just a few inches out from the wall you know just get like regular curtain rods and put them at the top of like the
0: tension rods
1: yes i don't know yeah, see, I, I don't know much about that, but from what <laughs> I know, the so you put like the curtain rods on the side and you know, and you put the and then nice heavy fabric with a few inches from the wall, and that'll do a great job of uh insulating the sound. And then cause a lot of people like to buy like the very expensive like egg crate, you know, acoustic paneling and stuff like that. It's from from everything that I've talked to about. Audio engineers about like people who have actual studios that have been soundproof. They're like, really, you don't really need to do that unless you're playing drums. Huh? Yeah,
0: I never would have known that.
1: Yeah, because well, and the important thing is to get um, something for the corners. That's where that's where the sound really does its thing. So, oh. like sometimes, like you may want to get like like a wedge of like egg crate to put in the corner, but that's really the most you need it for. Just to dead in that corner to make sure. And then the other cheap move is to just put something there like a bookcase or, you know, a couch or a chair or something like that. Something like heavy, foamy fabric, you know, that's that's like that'll work just as well as actually treating it with the real stuff. Huh.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I even saw like online you can use like the bed, like a memory foam from yep. for a bed. Yeah. I saw people doing that.
1: Yeah. Anything that has a lot of air in it. Uh, because that, that's what actually like deadens the sound is like if, you know, like that's what those baffles are is like, it's a thick piece of fabric on one side, a thick piece of fabric on the other side. And then inside is just air. Um, and the reason why it works is because, uh, the sound wave hits the one side reverberates inside, but that air deadens it so that by the time that it hits the other side, the other side doesn't move as much so this side will like move like this and this one will be like this and on this side of it it'll be very quiet comparatively <laughs> yeah so it's air is what you need that's that's why the curtains work um that's why like the egg crate works because it's you know there's a lot of lots of air pockets inside of it and like the foamy kind of stuff yeah like there's air pocket like little air pockets in it that's why it works because you don't want like very solid things to actually deaden sound that doesn't work Solid things actually carry the sound and make it echoey.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, that it makes sense because I'm in totally like wooden floor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Probably helps that I'm next to a bed, maybe. I don't know.
1: Yeah. No, that probably does help. It's our old, like back in my old house, like it, we had hardwood floors in the room that we recorded in and it had like that echo to it. And now that I'm in this one, it's all carpet and all of a sudden, like it's like much, much better. Um, even though, you know, I haven't like acoustically treated this room at all.
0: Oh. Huh. And well, and I know depending on what your show, like the quality of sound that you want,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can vary. But I I do notice my voice is different on because if my son is like sleeping or something, I'll do it downstairs in in my room. And it's way worse in my room than it is in oh, okay. here because it's, it's a smaller <laughs> room, and I, I don't know the way I sit in here too I think is different. But so if I do the closet, I'm assuming it'll be like really good, probably. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And I don't need to buy the stuff. I that's awesome. I can just like get some really heavy, like a blanket, even probably right, like
1: yeah, like think like a like a wool blanket or something, like something really thick and heavy, and, and just put it, you know like a few inches from the wall and that'll be that'll do that'll go a big long way about deadening the sound it'll definitely deaden your voice if you want to like soundproof it against stuff from the outside world um that's where you need like someone to come in tear down the walls and put special stuff in the walls <laughs> oh
0: yeah no that yeah. that won't be happening <laughs> yeah
1: Yeah. Ain't nobody
0: got time for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. In order to just have like a nice quiet space to capture your voice so that it doesn't echo, like that's all you need. It's not a lot. Cool. Yeah.
0: Thank you. (laughs) That you just saved me hours and hours of research, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, because I've, it's a thing that's been on my list. And because
1: I've already done it. (laughs) And I've recorded it. I've recorded in all styles of those things. Like, I've recorded in rooms that have, like, no treatment whatsoever. I've recorded in rooms with, like, a little bit of treatment and then completely soundproof rooms. And, you know, the soundproof rooms are more about, like, not letting the, the, the sound escape. Um, so that way, you know, you can run a music studio next to a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and they won't be complaining about how loud it is. And then everything else, like, yeah, like for, for miking voice purposes, small space with like a lot of, you know, just surround yourself with fabric. That's a few inches from the wall. That'll give a nice dead sound. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, there you go, people. <laughs> you too can be a podcaster.
1: If this is all left in the episode, you know, this is no longer a Weezer podcast. This is now like, you know, a soundproofing <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
0: This is uh, a DIY podcasting podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, people pay the big bucks to learn how to do it, and um, if I can do it, anybody can do it, right?
1: Definitely. <laughs> it's if we if any anyone who's ever podcasted will tell you that it's it's both very difficult, but also the easiest thing they've ever done.
0: <laughs> yeah, or like you can teach yourself how to do it. I yeah. think the sound, like the audio, is. Probably very hard for yeah post production normal people
1: yeah I definitely had that um, you know I had the benefit of when I started my podcast the great albums I had the benefit of having the experience of having been doing like recording music demos for years and years and years Um, I think I first started doing like my own recording home recording stuff in like two thousand three and. You know, The Great Album started in 2014. So that's like an 11 year, 11 years of experience of doing stuff. And even since I've started, like I've learned more about audio production and how better to use compressors and EQ and how better to speak into a microphone and what are the right kinds of microphones to use. But I learned all those things while you know, recording demos of my own music, because trust me, if you go back and listen to those first demos that I recorded, they sound awful. They sound so bad. They make no sense Um for <laughs> like when you listen to them, you're like, what? Like, what why is does this like, why does this sound like this? Why does this sound so bad? And then over the years, you know, I, I had the experience of like just kind of, you know, I had I had those first mistakes of just being like, this is not how compression is supposed to be used and just using it completely wrong when I thought I was using it right. Um, Whoops. Yeah, and then finally getting to the point where, you know, I could just go like, okay, this is how you do this. And I can, once you once you know that, it, it's very easy to apply, but you kind of have to make those mistakes sometimes of things not sounding quite right.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, so did you teach yourself how to do audio then? Or did you go to school for
1: production? I, I taught myself. Uh no, I, I have a degree in English. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, that's that's my degree. Is I, I four years of nothing but Shakespeare and uh <laughs> and and Walt Whitman, you know? That that that's that that was my degree. But while I was going to school for that for that degree, uh I was also making music in bands and buying little interfaces and things like that and microphones and slowly amassing a collection over the years. It's funny when I started the podcast, like I didn't have to buy anything. I was like, I already have everything that I need nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just, from, just like, from
1: doing music.
0: I'll just use that mic over there and yeah, call it
1: a day. I already had like a handful of microphones, you know, and I was like, I have an interface already. I have XLR cables. You know, I, I kind of feel bad for Whenever I see people on like message boards and stuff being like, okay, what do I need? And then you tell them, and they're like, I didn't realize I'd need that much. And it's like, well, you really don't. But, you know, you you just, you'll get there eventually. Just start making the podcast. Trust Mm -hmm. me. You'll make, and then you'll make those first 20 episodes. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm going to buy new microphones. And then now that you actually know how to use microphones and your interface together, you're going to now record another 20 episodes that sound great or pretty good. And you're going to want people to never listen to those first few episodes. And it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, everybody goes through. It's just, I got to go through it while making music on my own that nobody has ever heard.
0: (laughs) Well, you can put them out and call them... Your, the demo the demo tapes of Phil. Yeah. Put them all out. Yeah. No?
1: <laughs> uh, probably not. Well, I mean, it, it's not just me. You know, it's like the people I played with. And, you know, it's like I've got a whole bunch of stuff of just songs done with friends of mine. And, you know, of just us sitting in a room with one microphone. Um, but it, it's all just random music that, you know, I'm no longer promoting. You know, I've got a new band now called Fake Pockets, which we do have great sounding recordings. Yes. Tell
0: us about... Your podcast and uh, Fake Pockets, and in case people didn't listen to last week's episode, let's fill them in.
1: The Great Albums is a podcast that I've been doing for uh, almost five years now with my with my friend Brian. He's my co host, and each week we take uh, an album of music and talk about what makes it great. We tie the whole conversation together by doing a track by track review of the album. It is a music appreciation show where we talk about the things we like about the songs. Um we occasionally get into like some background information and stuff like that, but it's meant to be, you know, uh people enjoying music and talking about their enjoyment of music. And we often have guests. Uh, Rachel is a guest on an upcoming episode or right around the same time as this one. Um, we should have an episode out on uh, Garbage's first album, which was a lot of fun. Yes, um, so fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so people can check that out, the great albums, on um, all the places you find podcasts. And then I also have a band called Fake Pockets. I am the bass player in that band. For the musically illiterate out there, I am the Scott of Fake Pockets. <laughs> or the uh or depending on your era, you know, like the Mikey or the Matt. You know, it's like, you know, yes. put put in put in whatever era you like. But I am the bass player um <laughs> and uh and we make kind of indie rock, indie pop music, um four-piece band, two guitars, bass, drums. It's a lot of fun making music with them and you can check that out. We have a few singles out on Spotify and we should have a YouTube video up of our tiny desk concert for a song called Nice Enough that people should check out on very YouTube.
0: exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to see that. I want to see Me what too. you guys did <laughs> with the desk. Well, while,
1: while we were talking, I've been receiving texts like with updates about the video. So oh, I'm, good. I'm anxiously awaiting it because I actually recorded the audio for it all. And so I, I mixed that together and put that together earlier in the week, sent it off to the guy who did the video. And now I'm just waiting to see the video. <laughs> so,
0: is he going to send it to you today?
1: Uh, I hope so. I think they're. I think they're working on it right now. Him and our drummer are together, um, kind of finalizing everything. Cool. Yeah, uh,
0: I can't wait to see it. So today's today's song is uh, "Dope Nose," mm-hmm. and I know it was kind of either "Dope Nose" or "Why Bother." Why did you pick "Dope Nose"?
1: "Dope Nose" is a song that I felt was outside of the blue Pinkerton realm. Cause I'm sure you get uh, requests to talk about those songs with every single person. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And dope nose uh, was, it it was, that was the first single that came out like after I became like a huge fan of Weezer. um, As we discussed in the last episode, it was around like 2001. Like I, I had the green album and then that summer, I had the Blue Album, and then that's also when people started telling me around my local scene, going to local shows of kids that, uh, you know, renting out the fire hall and putting on their own shows, and then talking to those people in the bands and, you know, about the music that they liked, and they were like, oh, Pinkerton, you gotta listen to Pinkerton. And so then that's when I went and picked up Pinkerton. So this was the first single, first, like, new music for me, having already been, like, a rabid fan at this point like when i got green i wasn't a rabid fan but by the time that this came out i was a rabid fan so it was the first single off of maladroit um but it leaked super duper early because there were a whole bunch of like rivers just put it up on the website like a, a whole bunch of the songs so heard it i think i heard it probably in like january february of 2002 do you um, remember
0: how that like how that felt I mean, were you excited? Was it like, uh, were you a part of something? Or Were you part of the like Weezer fan club at all?
1: No, um, I, I never really did fan clubs. Um, but, you know, I would go to Weezer.com and go to the message board and, you know, occasionally throw in my two cents on something of whatever weird conspiracy theory someone was talking about, <laughs> about Pinkerton. Although that was how I learned that um, that if I lifted the black tray... Of the CD case of Pinkerton, there was the the map underneath. Oh, that you I don't know, think I even know that um, yeah, uh, hold on. let me see if I can see my thing, but I don't see where Weezer is um, what's the map of: It's a, a map of Japan in it's an Italian map of Japan, which of ah. course fits the theme of the uh, the Madame Butterfly. Yes. Um, uh, opera. So it fits that theme and that like, if you pull out that black tray, there's a a map of Japan in Italian. So all the markers are, are Italian. So it says Mar instead of C, you know? So I I don't remember exactly like, you know, clicking download MP3 off the website. Um, (laughs) I do remember buying the album though, a few months later, when, um, cause that was back when albums came out on Tuesdays, not Fridays like they do now. And it was, it, it was, uh, like a Wednesday after it came out, I went into school wearing my, uh, my Weezer, if it's too loud, turn it down t-shirt.
0: Oh, I love it.
1: <laughs> OG. And, uh, and a friend of mine like looked at my shirt and she was just like, she's like, she's like, have you gotten Maladroit yet? And I was like, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, I went to work last night. I didn't have a chance to go to the mall and pick it up. And she's like, what kind of Weezer fan are you? You didn't pick it up on the day it came out. And I, no. and I, I was very shamed by that. And, you know, and so uh, later that week I went, I think, I think it was that day or the next day, I was like, I'm going to make sure to buy it. I'm going to show her. I'm going to own this album right away <laughs> now. And, um, and, I, and I went and bought it and put it on. And uh, I had loved Dope Nose as a song, But I have to be honest that it's kind of a standout from the album for me. I didn't really enjoy the album as much as I enjoyed this song. And I don't know, like, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. It just doesn't quite have the cohesion that some of their other albums do. Because it seemed, you know, it was kind of like very quickly recorded. Um, A lot of it was live, I believe. You know, like, uh, Rivers had talked about, you know, about like... uh, Recording the album and the fact that, you know, he and like his guitar tone on it. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I just turned everything to 10. And that was my tone. And it's just very dirty, very loud kind of sounding album. And and the songs didn't seem to quite have the same amount of care that they had right. put into like Blue, Pinkerton, and even Green. Like Green, you know, they took the time. You know, there was no producer technically on this album. It's there were the engineers I think were kind of credited with producing it alongside Mm -hmm. Weezer, but there was no like there was no Rick Ocasek, and there there just didn't seem like a a through line within the album. It was just like a collection of songs, which seemed like the first time the band had really done that. You know, now they've done it a few times on a few albums where they're like, "Here's our latest collection of songs," yeah, and to, to varying amounts of. Goodness um sometimes you don't think
0: the, blue is a collection of songs,
1: yeah, but that was I do, but it was their first album, so it was very much on purpose. you know they went they they I probably see. had more than ten songs, but they were like, these are the ten songs that are going to define us as a band right now, um and like going into the future, your first album you're very, very particular about it. Having been in bands as we've recorded our first albums several times, like everyone is very <laughs> particular about like this song needs to be on there because it it tells the listener who we are as a band kind of thing. And what um, you can do. Yeah. And Pinkerton was very, very meticulously crafted. And Green, I felt like as well, like it was a different kind of statement where they went like, well, we're like, we're going to do like a pop punk, you know, more. Super standard. Yeah. Like. We're going to write poppy songs, but it was still very meticulously made. And this one seemed like a little bit more, they just went in and did it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever alchemy there was in the room, Dope knows, and I think Keep Fishing as well, and probably Burnt Jam, but I don't, like, also stands out, but I don't really like Burnt Jam, but it does stand out from the sound of the rest of the album. Yes, Um, But... It stood out so much like it it just whatever alchemy allowed this song just makes perfect sense that it's like I think it's like two minutes and 20 seconds and it's just like this this like get in get out catchy hooky um, cool thing uh, that just stands out so incredibly on the album and it has always kind of remained like one of my favorite Weezer songs even though, like, I don't really love the album. Even though, like, I don't really have an emotional attachment to the lyrics of this song. But just if if I want to listen to a rockin' good Weezer song that's not off of Blue or Pinkerton, like this is always my first one. That I'm like, my my playlist of non Pinkerton and Blue Weezer. This is one of the songs that that's the first song that I add to that playlist.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. cool. Well, that being said, I'm excited to jump into song discussion. Uh, Are you ready to talk about Dope Nose?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Okay,
0: we will be right back. Welcome back, everybody! <laughs> Hi, birds. Are those those are your birds, right? Not mine. No,
1: that that's outside. I have the window open. Or, I again. mean,
0: yeah, <laughs> your outdoor birds. Yeah, I, I, oh,
1: they spring. probably won't be picked up too much on my microphone. Oh, That's um, okay. I've done it before with this mic, and it usually doesn't pick up too much. It's just the birds are very happy about how spring it is today. It's very
0: springy, and yeah. they're just excited for Easter next weekend, mm. and it's all good. Oh, that is next um, week. Yeah. So today's song is Dope Nose Um, It's off the album Maladroit It's track number two It was released February of 2002 Recorded in December of 2001 Or through uh, February 2002 It is two minutes and 17 seconds long It is one of those short songs that sounds longer than it is Maybe because it's good, I don't know The label is Geffen It is officially released. Its live debut was June 16th of 2000. It's the Rivers Cuomo song chronology number 484. You should try saying that three times fast. I'm just saying. (laughs)
1: Rivers Cuomo. Nope. Rivers Cuomo song chronology. Yeah, there's too much in there.
0: It's way too much. It's uh, the first single off of the album, It is 177 in uh, the catalog of riffs, and there is a music video, which we will talk about later.
1: Yes. Okay, so the song is written by Rivers Cuomo, produced by Rivers, or sorry, produced by Weezer with Chad Bamford and Rod Cervera, which I believe that they were the engineers at the studio that they were working at, so... I think that the band would kind of consider this song like not having a producer. Um, Rivers Cuomo on lead guitar and lead vocals. Patrick Wilson on percussion. Brian Bell on rhythm guitar and backing vocals. And Scott Schreiner on bass guitar and backing vocals.
0: And I think I I could be wrong, but I'm going to double check really quick. But I think that Rod Cervera is from The Rentals. I'm not sure if I know
1: Chad. Yeah, I don't Rentals had such a, you know, like revolving cast of people, you know? It's like I know the Hayden sisters, you know, it's and then I know that um what's her name from SNL was in the band for a while.
0: Mhm. Uh
1: and of course yes, I know Matt Sharp. He,
0: so Rod is um the guitar player from SuperSport 2000 and he was also in the Rentals and he did help produce Maladroit. Hmm.
1: What time and, period was he in the rentals?
0: I know that he's in like the return of the rentals, which is okay. their first their first one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about after that. Okay, yeah. And Chad, oh, I guess that he engineered Maladroit and also participated in Make Believe and The Special Goodness with Pat. So cool. there you have it. The more you know. Mm-hmm. uh dope nose is featured on songs from um i don't know the forthcoming maladroit early mix i think
1: that's like i believe that was the the releases on the internet that they okay that's what they're talking about yeah i believe that's what it's referencing when they were just like here's some songs from the album that's coming out
0: gotcha Maladroit obviously and the radio only promo CD where it was track number one I'm assuming off of only one track Mm -hmm. it's also featured on the Lion and the Witch live and it's on the Red Album Japan Deluxe Edition bonus DVD whoa as a live video so Mm -hmm. huh? I should have like looked that up to watch it
1: I don't. I watched a couple of the live videos. I'm not sure if it was that one. There was one in Japan, though, which was from that era, which is pretty good. And then there's a few videos of like later on where, uh, where Scott sings it instead of Rivers.
0: Was that and, a thing that I, I remember it was either Scott was singing or it was Brian was singing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Brian was doing like a guitar solo or something.
1: I think Brian did a different song, not this song. Okay. Um, I know that Brian did uh why bother for a while. I'm not sure what else he did, but I believe that Scott sang this one on at least one of the tours. And there is a That's video cool. of it. Yeah. I would yeah. like to see that. Yeah. Good old and Scott. He, yeah. And he purposely uh does not sing the other F word in the song. <laughs> what does um, he say? He says cheese a second time. He says okay. cheese of the cheese of the year.
0: Which Makes just about the same amount of sense,
1: I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know we could talk about that if you want to, but um, you know, I, I I have an opinion on why that word was used in that way in the song. Oh God,
0: did it have to do with the message boards?
1: No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just my own personal like opinion on it, on like, and you know why it's kind of okay in the context of the song. Because oh yeah. Um, because I feel that that Rivers, um, he was kind of insinu- insinuating that he is referring to himself that way. Yeah. Um And the idea that people had called him that. Yeah. Um And, you know, and it's like, uh, I could definitely understand that and relate to that. You know, it's like, you know, being called gay or, you know, the the I- other F word, <laughs> you know, and kind of like him just being like, kind of like, like yeah what of it kind of thing in the in the song you know kind of just like shrugging it off you know someone calling him that and being like so what who cares
0: or like fuck you because i can beat up your man yeah, type of thing yeah. which not i'm also not really sure could, about that think.
1: either i yeah, know <laughs> <laughs> i think it was more uh, yeah i think it was more of like uh like yeah sure whatever you can call me that but you know it doesn't it doesn't affect my self esteem because that is not a bad thing, you know. Like you can be that and still be a tough dude, right? Yeah, that's yeah. my take on it. I like it. Yeah.
0: Let me see, because I was thinking about the lyrics a lot mm-hmm. and trying to figure out basically what the heck he's trying to say here.
1: <laughs> Honestly, um, I you know it's it, th- this song was supposedly. Part of the sit like written in the same session as hashpipe, and I mean, hashpipe has equally nonsensical lyrics, right? <laughs> yeah. so I, I think it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of like freeform associating stuff um into a song, and then making a you know making a joke about a dope nose, uh, you know being like that dope meaning like I'm a dummy. And I know, and also dope knows of like snorting drugs, um, mm-hmm. just like a silly pun about that. And yeah, I really think that Rivers was just like, "That's funny," and he just made a song about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's like the cheese is what like it sounds. It it sounds like it's going to be normal, and then he and then that last verse happens. Yeah, and you're like.
1: But but even like um that first verse doesn't make a ton of sense like debt on my head, wasting well, time on to my me, own. I'm thinking
0: like you're a college kid, you're alone, mm. you're laying on the bed mm-hmm. thinking I want to go home. Um I hate it here and I'm broke. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But then for the times that you want to go and bust rhymes real slow, I'll appear, slap you on the face <laughs> and enjoy the show this dope nose you know it's i'm kind of like uh i'm kind of like yeah th- those are kind of just you know words that sound yeah. good yeah
0: <laughs> but don't you have a visual too of like rivers like slapping you in the face and then playing i don't know yeah no
1: i i mean it's it's the words are like fun rock song lyrics yeah um if that makes sense you know it's just kind of like very much about just being like a dude who's like feeling ennui And trying to not feel ennui and also just having anxiety. That's what I think, you know, anxiety about like your place in the world. That's what seems to be like the, and and that's where I think like the, the F of the year, who could beat up your man comes from. I have no idea what cheese smells so good on a burnt piece of lamb, what that has to do with anything. No, nothing. Yeah, Yeah.
0: nothing. I don't even know why they left it in. They should have, I mean, anything could have been better than that, really. (laughs) Literally anything.
1: Yeah, although it is fun when then Brian goes, piece of what?
0: Yeah, sassy Brian. (laughs) Uh, He's good at that. Um, It caught me off guard, I have to say, because I I don't know that I knew that that was the lyric. So Mm. when in preparation for this, playing the song very loud in my car and listening to the lyrics actively listening without mm-hmm. just like bopping to the to the music yeah. i was like did he just say that like did did they use the f word in in this song and it's just weird yeah like it it caught me off guard now i will say that it caught me off guard cuz it's now back mm-hmm. then not a big deal um, no, it would well, have been kind of normal, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um back then for me it still caught me off guard. Um maybe I was just set more sensitive to it at the time, I don't know, than like the general public, but yeah, like I I was never one of those people who used that word. Um Me either. And I never used gay to mean lame or whatever like I I never called someone to be like oh that's so gay you're so gay I'd never said anything like that I always found it weird because I kind of grew up in an environment where I knew what the word gay meant from a very young age like my mom was just like yeah gay means like when when she probably used it in the context of being like a man loves another man and, and it's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, that's not normal. Right. And she's like, it's not common. You know, I'm sure she's, she like said something like that. She's like, it's not common, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when, you know, cause I would say I was probably had that discussion with my mom, like when I was like nine, 10, around that age. And then like a few years later when I got to more like middle school years like 5th 6th 7th grade when people would use that and be like oh you're so gay I'd be like but I'm not gay why calling
0: me gay why are you what calling you, me gay, no, I'm calling totally me not gay?
1: gay. <laughs> yeah like what does that have to do with anything and and then and they're like you know oh they're making fun of you you know and I was like oh well that's not that's not cool to do right I'm like that's not that doesn't make any sense you're um, like, if
0: you're gonna be mean to me, like pick something real, like yeah,
1: yeah, pick something that's actually negative, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, and so, like, I definitely never did that. Uh, and so I don't know, I guess I was just maybe a, a little bit more self aware of it, but there was definitely more mature, like,
0: I would say, than yeah,
1: and also because I, I was definitely like a very nerdy kid who was the recipient of people yelling that word at them, you know like just for like no reason. And it's right. like, okay, um, it that's not, yeah, that hurts. And so when he used it in the song, like I think I immediately went to that, like I noticed that it was like, wait, what's he saying? And then I is looked it at Yeah. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, I think he's actually taking it like he is that, you know, as somebody else is calling him that and he's kind of, uh, recontextualizing the word within within you know his song.
0: Yes. Or he's like basically what we said earlier. Like and what? Like mm-hmm. that's I guess that's who I am, then fine. I don't yeah. know.
1: And if I'm wrong, <laughs> listeners, feel free to email me at thegreatalbums at gmail dot com and tell me why. <laughs> I don't mind. Like
0: they're just gonna come flooding in, I tell you. <laughs> Everyone just all the time, all the emails I get, I can't can't stop it. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. Um, <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> Does, do you guys get... A, I, I know that you probably get a lot of people that want to be guests. Do you get a lot of people that want to have discussions on your podcast?
1: Um, yeah, we get, a, we, get a, we get a bunch of emails. You know, it's, um, The most common one is just like, hey, can you talk about this album on the show sometime? Um, that's the most common one. Occasionally, people respond to the things that we said on the podcast itself um occasionally people write in to tell tell us how much or how wrong we are and how much they hate us (laughs) those are always fun oh my Um, god i don't even
0: know how you would
1: deal with that that just like hurts my heart um basically it you know i i kind of put it down to the fact that people just don't understand what the podcast is supposed to be you know it's like they get angry at us for missing information. I'm like, well, you know, we're not trying to tell you everything about the song. We're just trying to appreciate it. And along the way, we tell you, we talk about the stuff we know about. You know, uh, and then some people like, I, I just send like very sarcastic responses back because I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'm just going to say something like snarky to you. Um, that's what happens most of the time. Uh, uh, you know, occasionally hurts my feelings a little. And, you know, Probably more so like the negative reviews because I can't respond to that. They're just like, oh, this moron Bill doesn't know what he's talking about. I hate the sound of his voice. He sounds like, you know, he, he. I don't know, he's stupid. (laughs) You know, it's, and it's just like, and I'm like,
0: come on. Well, then why are you listening?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Why are you writing
0: a review? Don't you have better things to do? I I saw a review on your thing and I was like, what a dick. Why, why do that? Why not just like move on? Like yeah, leave? My,
1: my favorite one. My favorite one is the one that says two boring liberals who don't know anything about music discussing music. And I'm just yeah. like, wait, what, is, what does our political affiliation have to do with anything? Which we don't even really talk about that much on the show.
0: Uh, no, I don't think I've. Well, I personally don't recall ever hearing anything about that. We probably um,
1: talked about it in one episode, which is the one episode that person listened to, and they called us a boring liberal,
0: <laughs> which is so weird. Yeah, because well, and it's like if you're bored, then I I guess move on. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and so my thing is like if you're gonna take the time to write a paragraph of bullshit on someone's mm-hmm. thing, then you're a little bit more worked up than you should be about a chill music discussion show is mm-hmm. like it's fans not critics it's not like right. the scientific music show <laughs> where we go through every single detail and it's all facts and nothing about opinions or life uh or emotion yeah. and maybe you shouldn't be listening to music then sorry i just went on a rant
1: <laughs> that's okay you're on the same page as me and then the vast majority of emails are very kind emails that are just saying you know, like, I'm so glad I found you guys like, this is something I've been looking for in a music podcast for so long and, you know, your tastes align with mine and you know, things like that. And then a lot of times people just have like a little piece of analysis or um something that we didn't talk about that they that they just want to share with us and be like hey did you know this thing you know and usually that kind of stuff i respond to and i'm like yeah you know like one thanks for listening and two like thanks for sharing and three here are my thoughts on that same subject occasionally people can get me on like a real long email you know occasionally um if they if they hit the right button of like <laughs> you know of 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 something but Yeah. We, we get, we get a decent amount of emails, not, not a ton, you know, not like more than we can handle most of the time, but, you know, we, we have a very interactive audience, which has been very, you know, I feel like very, very uh, lucky to have found that.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's because of how long you've been around and, Mm -hmm. uh, you're just normal people. You're nice, uh, to each other and everyone on the show you're respectful when you talk about maybe something that you're not into, mm-hmm. and people love music. And I, I'm, I am a listener, and I highly encourage everyone to go check out the great, the great albums podcast. Thank you. I like your new cover, by the way.
1: Oh, um, all the artwork is done by my wife. Oh, yeah. So uh, she did that. She actually did that for uh, for buttons we have. Um, Like we, we have a bunch of buttons and that was one of the designs and, and I was like, Hey, why don't we take that and make that the new, uh, the new logo this year? So we did that. That's cool. Yeah.
0: I like, it's kind of ska-y. I was like, ooh.
1: (laughs) A lot of people have said that, you know, I I (laughs) kind of thought, I kind of thought more more like, you know, Pacific Northwest plaid and flannel, you know, but. Crunchy ska. I mean, same thing,
0: same era. (laughs) I feel it's like ska
1: all... should be like black and white, you know, like black and white checkers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it still reminded me of that, though. Anyways, well, back to Dope Nose. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's the first single, and along with uh, Hashpipe and Slob, it was on this thing called The Summer Songs of 2000. So why don't you tell the people about this? Because I didn't know it, and it's... Pretty interesting. Didn't know that it existed.
1: Yeah, Summer Songs was that was when the band first reformed in 2000 for the Warp Tour, um, and Rivers had kind of gotten out of his funk, um, and he kind of was able to, you know, turn turn on the tap of songwriting, and all these songs kind of flowed out, and. They were doing all of these different songs, uh demoing them and playing them on the warp tour um and it, it fans got super excited about them because it was the first new music in four years from the band, and they had thought the band you know the people who had in the interim of uh Pinkerton kind of flopping and then finding its cult audience, you know all those kids were like, "This is amazing, there's new songs where you know they were really excited. To kind of continue the story, and uh, and you know, Weezer fans like we're kind of uber nerds most of the time. Like so, mm-hmm. when we get into stuff, we really get into stuff. And people started cataloging the songs, and and you know, and they became known as the summer songs of 2000. And uh, some of them, uh, you know, evolved and ended up on Green, and then some of them kind of disappeared. But this was one of the ones that kind of kept coming back, you know, like they knew they had something. There was a good. lot
0: of them, right? There was yeah. like 40 of them or something, I'm gonna say yeah.
1: it was a ton. Like, and you know, you could find like the bootlegs of them like all over the place. And before Green came out, like people were putting together like their own albums, you know, of like the new songs. And uh and then that even continued after the Green album, you know, on the message boards people would be like, oh I wonder if they're gonna use this song and that song from the Summer Songs for the next album. Um, cool. Yeah.
0: It's such a cool time to be involved in like the discussion. Mm-hmm. I, I miss out on that.
1: Cuz you 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 abandoned the band, right?
0: <laughs> I did. I did. I was like
1: And I don't I mean that, that harshly it, at all, by the way.
0: <laughs> no. Um I guess that I it didn't speak to me like Pinkerton did and uh I liked Green, but it wasn't what I I, I couldn't like fully get into green even
1: mm-hmm.
0: maybe because Matt was gone and I, and maybe it, because it was so different from Pinkerton yeah that I was just kind of like turned off. right So I, I remember liking Island in the Sun and that's kind of it. Mm. And then when this came out and it was even further away, Pinkerton or the Blue Album, I was like, out. I was like, nope. <laughs> I listened to it once. I didn't like it. And then I put it on the shelf and I went back to my Mystical and um <laughs> whatever else was happening at the time. And I really didn't come back until make believe. I liked. And after that, like it was a white album. Like I really mm-hmm. I always was a fan. I always bought all the albums. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. Didn't love them, you know? Yeah,
1: same, you know? And it's it, it was just harder to get, like, that deep into it again. And especially, you know, you discover other music that you get deep into for a while, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes, like, the stuff you really love comes back around for you, which is, which, you know, that's always, uh, you should just feel lucky that that happens, you know? It's like, I remember when uh, Pearl Jam put out Backspacer in 2009, and, like, I put it on, and I was like, oh, my God, this is... Like this is just as good as any of their early '90s stuff, and, and and I was blown away and like so in love with the band again, and kind of like fell down that rabbit hole hole again for a little while, you know, of just because you know, I, I mean, I never stopped liking what they did, but it just didn't quite grab me the same way. And then when I found that and something grabbed me again, I was like, oh, I'm back. They're back. We're yes. all back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Pearl Jam time. Yeah, Eddie. Or yeah. <laughs> something Yeah, Eddie <laughs> That's uh, what everybody
1: that, yells at the Pearl Jam concerts They just
0: <laughs> Eddie <laughs> <laughs> And they put their arm up and uh-huh.
1: yeah Everyone's and, and, happy And he lifts his bottle of red wine that he drinks on stage And toasts the audience
0: <sighs> Oh, that but, sounds fun Although I don't know I don't know why I got it in my head That his voice isn't good live anymore But that's what I have in my head And it's kind of deterred me from wanting to see them Mm. live, even though I feel like they're, they're on my list, my bucket list. Cause Pearl Jam.
1: Yeah. Well, my, um, my thoughts on Eddie's voice is that he is still just as good of a singer as he used to be. Uh, Go, you know, you could pick up the bootlegs and listen to like the stuff from 10, um, where he was like a more singery singer and doing the bellowing and all that stuff and then you know he i think that he purposely changed the way he sang in order to distinguish himself from all of the people who were copying him uh mm. you know he he had such a well recognizable baritone voice um but he has uh, a a wider range than that um like he can sing a tenor quite easily um, just go and listen to a song. even early on, they did it. Um, you go and listen to like a song like Daughter. Um, and that's 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 a tenor. Like he's singing very high for him it, during that entire song. And he kind of purposely changed his voice a little. He allowed himself to be a little more gravelly. He allowed himself to sing a little bit higher. And when he sings higher, his voice, it's not as natural for him. Um, uh-huh. So it does sound a little bit odd but i it's never turned me off in any way when he sings higher you know so but i think he's still very capable of singing those low notes like he has no problem doing that uh he just purposely changed how he sounds in order to better distinguish his own voice you know and it's like have you listened to backspacer
0: i don't know okay what was the hit on it
1: like the the singles there there was no real hit you know it's um so uh the singles were the fixer um also uh the ballad was a song called just breathe which that that's the one that i'm thinking like if you want to hear him like still showing that he's got that set of pipes like just breathe does that and uh there's a few others um like unthought known has that a little bit where he you know he he does like a little bit more of the singing stuff so you know it's they still have it but it's just it's just different in some places
0: Okay. Well, yeah. So I'll have to check it out.
1: You should go see Pearl Jam live. They're an amazing live band. Although I haven't seen, I've only seen them once. Even though they're one of my favorite bands, um, but uh, but but yeah, he they they still got it.
0: Kind of like like Rivers has a hard time with high notes too. I think yeah. to bring it back to Weezer.
1: Yeah. I'm, well, I mean that's what happens when you get older. You know, it's like bands, like the singers, their their voices change and yeah. They can't always sing the same songs in the same uh, register as what they used to. You know, like a lot of bands listen to like live albums of bands that put a live album like later in their career, like like the legacy acts and stuff. You listen to those songs and then like you compare them to the recordings and they're in a different key a lot of times. You know, like biggest example that I that I always think of that's different between live and the recording is uh, U2 still haven't found what I'm looking for. Like it's, in, it's, it's not even just like a half step up or down or something like that. They're like, they they totally key change that, like a world away from what it is on the album live. And they even did it like way back in the nineties too. Cause I think that Bono is just like, that's too hard to sing every night. Let's uh let's, let's bring this down, like way down. Like I th- and live, nobody cares, Yeah, right? It sounds the same, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a problem for me because I was trying to learn that bass line and he <laughs> plays the bass line differently live. And I'm like, this isn't exactly the same. And then so I'm like, because I was trying to figure out what notes, like, because there's weird notes in there because it's like that. Dun, 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 dun. And it's like, wait, how exactly is he playing that? And he doesn't play it like that live. So I'm like, I don't know.
0: Whatever, Bono. Get it together.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, when people get older... So, Rivers, I'm sure, is suffering the same thing as he... You know, he may still look like he's 26, but... <laughs> he's, no, no, uh, he doesn't. But he's that's creeping okay up too. on 50.
0: I can't believe it. Yeah. It, like, kind of hurts my heart to think about it.
1: I know. It's like these these rock icons, that these Gen Xers that, you know, you're like, these are the youth of America, you know, back in the 90s, and now... They're all like 50s, They're like
0: old, and like I don't know. Like also, a bullet point on the um, music video: mm-hmm. Pat's got a full head of hair, and so <laughs> and we haven't seen it's been bald Pat for like a long time. I feel yeah. like because he just decided to like you know get over it, or yeah. you know maybe he was like I don't like how this looks if he just let it be short, but um yeah. it's kind of weird. It's like seeing
1: him with hair. Yeah. That should be that should be one of your rating systems, pat with hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Dope nose pat with hair. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so the um I guess it was uh, session 1 which dope nose is part of session 1 of these Summer Songs of 2000 and mm-hmm. uh, some other songs from that recording, The Ska Song, No More Disappointments, I screwed it all up, Torture. My best friends are gone, dope nose and stupid bitch. So sounds good. I think good.
1: I think out of those, I think I've heard torture, and I've I feel like I've heard a few of the others, but I don't I don't remember them. You know, like um like I'm trying to think of like my you know like message board days and when I had my uh when I had my my Dell laptop that I would download everything <laughs> illegally onto. Um I'd like. Actually, it's sitting on the floor right now because um, because it used to be in a case, but my cat peed on the case, and it's sitting on the floor behind me. And uh, I need to go into that and pull off, like, I need to open that up and pull off all the MP3s of everything that's on there that, you know, now I can't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, especially for free. Mm-hmm. And, like, check out your MySpace while you're there.
1: <laughs> oh, I haven't been to MySpace in so long. My MySpace doesn't exist anymore. I never deleted it, but it it's not there. Like, I don't I,
0: even know. I didn't know, My, like, you could still go on MySpace.
1: Yeah, it still exists. What? Yeah.
0: That's weird. Or at weird. least
1: it, it did, like, last year. <laughs> I don't know if it does, like, as of this moment right now. Okay. I'm going to find out. Um, I'm clicking on to the internet. <laughs> And uh, myspace.com.
0: I want to hear the ska song too.
1: Yeah, it still exists. Um, I have no idea what's going on here. It doesn't really look like it's a very social media kind of page, it looks like more like a news page. Um, yeah, weird. So it still exists. Uh, Let's be
0: OG and all go back to MySpace.
1: Yeah, let's do it. I loved MySpace. I have to say, as as someone who was in a band, MySpace was so much better for bands than Facebook has ever been. MySpace was so great because you had people like your page, follow your page, and then they would get every single update. There was a music player built in. It, it was just it was just a really great place for bands to communicate with um, with people, uh, but. Which has been, you know, unfortunately not a thing for a very long time.
0: They should put music on Facebook because, I mean, it basically took over the MySpace, but the, that's the only yeah. difference, right? Yeah.
1: It's one of the big differences, definitely. And, uh, and there hasn't been like a good, a really good like replacement for it. The closest we've gotten is Bandcamp.com, I think. Bandcamp.com is very, very good for artists and f- not quite as good for listeners, but very good for artists.
0: SoundCloud, is that good for for people?
1: Um, I think that's more the younger generation's thing, a SoundCloud. I don't know. I never really I never really liked SoundCloud. I don't know why. Just navigation and it that was more tailored to like one song, you know, like you can have mm-hmm. like one song and you know, people are supposed to like it's a little social media y, but I don't know. I never I never really caught into it.
0: So also there was a fun contest where people were asked to create a Maladroit, some Maladroit cover art. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were they were never really going to like use it for the cover art.
1: Yeah, I remember that being a to... little bit of a controversy cuz people thought that they were like submitting for the cover art. Really? Yeah. And and I'm not sure if a winner if that is a winner for this for the cover art for this or not.
0: But uh, there, I don't recall. There were, so it said, like, give us your best artistic representation of a Weezer record cover. And so people knew the name was Maladroit because I saw, like, some of them even had, like, said Maladroit on them. Mm-hmm. And there were winners. There were four winners and they won, like, somebody, let's see, what did they win?
1: Yeah. Um From what I've found here, yes, they did the contest. Um but the artwork was someone they hired to do the art it was not a winner of the contest
0: yes and also
1: and i actually like the cover art uh, apparently this was like part of like rolling stones like worst cover art of all time like list and i don't mm-hmm. know i like it i it looks cool to me i don't I know i thought it
0: was weird i didn't understand it like why like who's the dude why are we in his grandma's house? <laughs> I guess I just didn't understand why after yeah. after everything else.
1: Yeah, like, I guess, like, Weezer was so purposeful with their album art cover on the previous three albums that this one just didn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, since then, they've kind of run the gamut like other bands where, like, sometimes they have really weird art that has nothing to do with the album whatsoever and the music And other times they have, like, perfect art that, like, complements the music perfectly.
0: Like Ratitude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Ratitude is one of the weirdest pieces of cover art that also makes the most sense.
0: Yeah, it's perfect Uh for that record. Yeah, I don't don't know. Like, yeah, I just don't get it. Uh, And I I get Ratitude. Like, it's just funny and weird. But I don't even get this one. It's just... I don't know. I don't I don't understand. Let us know, kids. <laughs> and apparently, uh, uh according to Wikipedia, Rivers had some uh tequila and Ritalin before writing this song. So
1: maybe that's where the
0: cheese in the toast came from. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's like the it's the drug songs, you know. There was Hashpipe and Dope Nose. It was like they were oh. a pair. Yeah, they yeah, were riffs. Written- yeah, they they were kind of as a pair, and they they make sense together, and if you don't think about it too hard, like, they're fun <laughs> and cool.
0: <laughs> and uh, apparently you can play, or Dope plays on a, a PlayStation 2 game called Amplitude.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know what that game is. I, I tried to look it up. Apparently, it's the same people that made Guitar Hero, but oh. it's a different thing. I don't know what, so I had never heard of it. Um But you know, I'm sure there's plenty of of Weezer on Guitar Hero and Rock Band.
0: Yes. Now it's been a while since I've done a song with a music video, so I'm excited to talk about this one because
1: it is bonkers.
0: It is totally weird, and I don't. I also don't understand the video. (laughs) We're Tokyo Drifting.
1: Okay. And yeah, well, it's, they're it's biker bikes. gangs. Yeah, biker gangs.
0: Asian biker gangs.
1: And honestly, I felt like that was one hundred percent like Marco Siega, the director, just being like, "Let's just throw some weird stuff at them while they play." And yeah. that seemed to be, you know, like compare that to high concept videos like the Keep Fishing video, um, which had the Muppets in it and Buddy Holly. I'm trying to think of others that like that they had like hashpipe hashpipe was again similar to this it was like just sumo wrestlers and the band played mhm i don't know that was the period of time that like music videos they were given all of the money to make music videos and there's a lot of weird music videos
0: and also like this is what you did with all of that money
1: yeah yeah well, you know, I, I feel like they they turned it around. I feel like they really pushed "Keep Fishing" off of the album and that video um, for for this album. Like that was the bigger push for them for this album than this one. I feel like this was this was also back in the time that um you know you had like the pre release single, which was like the rocker. Like if you were a rock band, the pre release single was the rocker. The next one was like you're more mid-tempo, middle-of-the-road song that everybody's going to enjoy. And mm-hmm. then if you went further than that, like, the next one was the ballad, which, you know, the label would push hard for everybody, and, like, saturation on on the ballad. And then the fourth single would be, like, whatever, you know, whatever good song is on the album that's left. But... This was kind of like at the end of that era, and they didn't really do that for this. They did like the rocker and then the more middle of the road song, but there was no ballad on this album, so no. they kind of just ended it there.
0: It's very the album is very rocky, mm-hmm. and I think that "Keep Fishing" is is very like it's chill, uh, mm-hmm. and it you know it's just so interesting how they like decided to go with this one for a single. I don't know.
1: Yeah, don't ask me, but I mean, <laughs> it's cool like I think that this has probably like one of their best riffs in it. Um it reminds me of like a kind of like a Cheap Trick kind of riff where that that style of power pop because Weezer is their own style of power pop, but mm-hmm. this is them doing more like that very 70s style like Kiss, tre- Cheap Trick, like the more rocking Kiss stuff, not like not the like metally kiss or the ballad kiss stuff of them doing that kind of thing. And like, I don't know. I really like that, that style of, of riffing, you know, where it's not a metal riff. It's like this power pop riff.
0: For sure. I love, there's so much good stuff about this song. So I kind of don't think about it often, but having to listen to it, I was like, this is really great. It's rocking. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the, Ooh, and mm-hmm. then it's got the awesome guitar solo.
1: Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that it has great guitar playing from both Rivers and Brian. Um, I was
0: going to say, did Brian do the guitar solo on this?
1: Rivers does the main guitar solo, but Brian does all those leads that are, like, interspersed with the lyrics. Okay. And then, um, you know, it, like, the the he has very, like, squiddly-diddly sounds, you know, like the... The part that's like uh in the chorus where it's like diddle 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 you know, like that. And then um, like all the follow-up parts, like right after the lyric. And then there's the the phrase of lead guitar. That's Brian playing that. And I think it's some of Brian's like most tasteful, interesting guitar playing that he's done, you know, like this song and basically his playing on Pinkerton, like really show him as a guitar player. Because Rivers yeah. is such a good guitar player that he tends to kind of just take over. Yeah. And Brian tends to play like Rivers a lot of the time in order to make it sound cohesive. But I feel like this is him like showing off like his own style.
0: Yeah, I feel like they should let him do his own thing. Cause Scott and Pat get to do their own things all the time.
1: I think he I think he's allowed to. I think that he just, you know, for consistency's sake.
0: Yeah, you know, he's and River's job.
1: <laughs> yeah, like he's doing his job, and you know, he wasn't there from the beginning. You know, he he came in almost as a hired gun, like after Blue was recorded, and you know, and I think that he kind of comes in and he goes, okay, you know, I don't want to step on River's toes, um, but when he has a good idea, you know. And Rivers is is in that right mindset because I feel like Rivers goes back and forth of being like dictator, <laughs> yeah, of like this is going to be me versus this is going to be the band. And <laughs> you know when when he when he allows Brian to do it, sometimes Brian just goes like, okay, let me do like a a Riversy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way he like in. that. So it'll fit in with the song, you know. It's like I don't want to I don't want to make things too too problematic but yeah so on something like this it allows him to really uh to really show off a little bit so so going back to the video uh marco siega we we had actually talked about this a little bit before we hit record about how Mm -hmm. like it it was it it was he was kind of a no offense to him or anything but he was a bit (laughs) of a step down after like the creative wunderkind of Spike Jones being their director um who just creates like always interesting music videos Buddy Holly um he also did the sweater song but i mean Spike Jones also known for so many other videos uh like the uh the cannonball the breeders cannonball uh, um he also did the uh the fat boy slim the the dancing oh. people like he uh-huh. would, Spike Jones was one of them um so yeah like he, He's he, so cool. Yeah, he has such like creative, interesting visions. And of course, you know, he also directed films um, that were wonderfully imaginative, like uh, Being John Malkovich. And uh, I think he also did Adaptation. That makes sense. Because it's the same writer. Oh, he did the, the Where, Where the Wild Things Are film. The, what was that, 2009?
0: I didn't see that one.
1: Oh, that's... I love that movie so much. It really split audiences because it's not a kid's film and it's based oh, okay. on a kid's book.
0: Yes. Um, well, it's to be fair, it's kind of scary.
1: Yeah, but but it's a beautiful beautiful film about growing up because it's basically like they take the idea of like where the wild things are and you know, internalizing his emotions and representing them as these creatures, you know, the character of Max, the main character. Yeah, it was really really it was really really great. It was great for hipsters. <laughs> if you're a hipster, it's an amazing movie. If you're I'm totally a hipster, so if if you are just looking for like something to watch with your kids, like no, like it's something to watch with your kids like when they're teenagers.
0: Okay, I was yeah. gonna say, what if your kids a hipster?
1: <laughs> then then that's perfectly fine.
0: Although I don't know, he like he's all into Scooby Doo. I'm telling you, like okay things that. Look really scary, and the mummy. Uh huh. But he gets kind of obsessed with the beetle, like crawling under the guy's skin.
1: Oh, okay. Um, How old is? But your that son? was
0: like he's four.
1: Okay. Wow he's 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 into some gross stuff.
0: <laughs> it's intense, the beetle. Uh, but he can't read where the wild things are before bed. So oh okay, it's kind of. <laughs> That type of thing. So I'm like, I don't know. He, but those are fun monsters. They have a
1: wild rumpus.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but they're gnashing teeth and sharp teeth to bite you and eat you.
1: I guess so. But (laughs) I don't know. I I, like. I got that book when I was for my sixth birthday, and I loved it. And then seeing the movie as an adult, I also love that. So, so the point being, Marco Siega. No offense to him, but a little bit of a step down. As yeah. a director for music videos. And it's a fun video, but, a you know, there's nothing really happening in it.
0: No. Well, I mean, there's a lot happening, but it's like, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean anything. Yeah. It's like there's Asian biker gangs riding dirt bikes everywhere. I did make a note that there's a bearded Rivers, a long hair Scott, mm-hmm. and an old school Pat with hair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were my notes and lots of like, <laughs> just, uh, it's just really random. It's a random music video.
1: Agreed. Nothing wrong with it, but you know, it's, it's fine. You know? Um,
0: yeah. Mark Marcos actually also did Beverly Hills, Hash mm-hmm. Pipe, Island in the Sun and Keep Fishing.
1: Yeah. Which so Keep Fishing you... did a good job on that one. Um, I have to yeah. say, a pretty imaginative, uh, one, but the. Island in the Sun didn't really enjoy Hashpipe. Eh. Yeah, so that, that's my thoughts, at least. As, as far as, like, visually speaking and, you know, matching the music to what's in the video, it seemed like he was like, hey, guys, let's just get some weird shit and have a lot of fun. Yes. That seemed and to be his style of, uh, of video making.
0: <laughs> According to Wikipedia, Michael Gondry...
1: Michelle. Michelle Gondry.
0: Michelle? Oh, yeah. is it a lady?
1: Or no, he is, is it just a
0: French guy? Okay.
1: Yeah, he did um, *Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind*. Oh God, I love that movie so much. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he's also done a bunch of um, music videos that are also very imaginative.
0: Okay, that makes um, sense then that they would kind of be on the same yeah vein.
1: Yeah. Well, and also it, it relates to Spike Jones because um, what's the uh, Charlie Kaufman is the writer who wrote all of those movies being John Malkovich adaptation and then Michel Gondry did Eternal Sunshine which is also a Charlie Kaufman written film mm. so he took over for him so you know it's like it makes sense that if they were like Spike Jones Michel Gondry
0: yeah that is really interesting i yeah. never even like would put that together the the i don't know i I, I am a movie nerd as well mm. And just, like, the the way that they shot everything, even though it's a normal-ish story. But, like, being John Malkovich is just insane. Like, it's insane. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. How else to explain it? If you haven't seen it, you need go see that. All of those movies, actually, really good. But I guess that director, Michelle, he um, suggested to do a video where he was like, you guys play a game of soccer and... Against a a Mexican heavy metal band (laughs) And they were like That's okay, thanks anyway Oh Oh, well Final thoughts on on Dope Nose Basically, it's a good song It's one of the better Songs on the album Yeah It is very catchy and fun Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate That the F word is in there But what are you going to do?
1: Yeah um, and you know, uh, I, I gave my thoughts on that one. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It's like
0: it, I wonder if at some point they'll replace it and and start only releasing a different version with a different word or something. Mm, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Flag of the year. <laughs> I mean, that cheese. makes just as much sense as as you know, cheese on a cheese on a burnt piece of lamb. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I like the fact that it goes between. Rocking and then like a fun poppy, mm-hmm. like shaking your head, snap into the ooh, yeah. and then it's like Dansh. it's like then it gets like heavy again. So yeah. I really like that about it. It's, yeah. it's really fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's All that's right. kind of why I picked it because it's just a good, fun song, energetic, you know, rocking, rocking, and I get into it.
0: <laughs> it's a good one. All right. Let's uh let's rate this sucker.
1: Okay, so my song rating is uh, Laser Eyes Rivers, Lightning Strap, Pat Jammin' on the Drums, and Blazer Brian for a total score of 10. And uh, nice. The metric, I feel like, uh, you know, it, it was like, uh, you know, showing like Blazer Brian was like creative or something like that. And, you know, I think like, I think Brian's guitar part's, in this, uh, in this song Is the creative part So you gotta put a Blazer Brian in there totally. Pat, Pat jamming on the drums We put that in there because uh, he had hair in the video <laughs> <laughs> And the uh, lightning straps are, The lightning straps are the coolest thing ever I wouldn't be surprised if Like someone doesn't put the lightning strap uh, Like has there ever been a song That someone hasn't rated with a lightning strap I just feel like they have to put it for all of them
0: <laughs> I'll have to look that up
1: Yeah, I don't know <laughs>
0: It's a it's a, rec- it's a prerequisite.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I gave, well, I gave uh, Dope Nose a lightning strap, a Weezer prom picture, a Scott and a vest, Pat Jammin' on the drums, and a Blazer Bry for a total of 10 as well. So We Are Weezer gives Dope Nose a 10, which is pretty good. That's a good uh, score, I would say.
1: There's better scores out there, but, you know, nice respectable 10.
0: It is a respectable 10.
1: Which I feel like, on the whole, I'm fine with that for this song, even though it's one of my favorites. I'm a, On the whole, I'm fine with, like, the we, the titular we of We Are Weezer <laughs> being on a 10. That sounds about right.
0: Yeah, it's a good, solid score. It's mm-hmm. not low by any means, and um, it's almost up there with whatever our top score is. <laughs> well... I guess we'll we'll take a break and we'll come back and and say adios to uh, Bill. Okay. Everyone, what's next? Perfect Situation 17. I don't know what it's going to be yet. You will have to find out later. Bill, where can everyone find The Great Albums and Fake Pockets on your social media?
1: The Great Albums. Everything is at The Great Albums for Twitter and Instagram. Great Albums or Facebook.com slash The Great Albums. And TheGreatAlbums.com is a portal to all of your needs. Uh, all of your great albums needs. Uh, fake Pockets is Fake Pockets Band, at Fake Pockets Band, on all of the social medias. Um, and we're on Facebook, and we're on Bandcamp, and we're on Spotify. You can listen to us and go check out our video, our uh, our Tiny Desk Concert submission on YouTube for a song called uh, Nice Enough. So just if you typed in Fake Pockets, Nice Enough, that should show up.
0: Cool. Well, good luck. I hope you guys win. Or somebody you know wins. Whoever
1: part of the, you know, the winning is the experience. That's what we said to ourselves. We were like, there's so many entries, you know, it's and there's only so many people can win. So we were happy to do it and we had fun doing it. And, you know, we at least have a nice video of us playing live for for people to listen to and check out.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, are there multiple winners or what are the rules? That's a good question.
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> I think there might be just one.
0: I wonder if they like... So they don't pick 10 and everyone gets to vote on like their favorite one or...
1: No, I think they just have like a panel of judges that that who watch all the videos and then... Yeah, this is my first time entering. I've watched my my friends have done them, and I've watched those videos, but I've never really paid that much attention to the contest itself. So you know, they're like, the I don't f- know. I just
0: I play yeah. the bass.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I up. show up. There was a I desk. Yeah. <laughs> it had a it had a owl statue on it. It was cool.
0: All right. Well, I can't wait to see it. Everyone, check out we are Weezer. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At We Are Weezer, and we also have a website www.weareweezer.com. Do we have to say the www anymore? Or can I don't I think just... we do. Okay, cool. Because I think it's like a thing. Like, you know that, right? Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's not like assumed. you say like
0: HTTPS colon for everything either. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um, Use keyword <laughs> <laughs> lightning strap. <laughs> AOL keyword, um, lightning strap. Oh,
0: my gosh. Um, <laughs> check out, check us out. Uh, listen to us and subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to your podcast. I like Spotify as well. I listen to iTunes in the car and for some reason Spotify at work. So <laughs> there you have it. Thank you, Brian, for the sound. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill, for coming on the show. I'm very honored to have you on as one of my, you guys are one of my favorite podcasts. Well, thank you for having
1: me. It was uh, an honor to be included and to, you know, have an excuse to just talk about Weezer for going on, you know, between the two episodes going on like three hours now. I know.
0: (laughs) Well, you come back anytime.
1: Okay. See you next week.
0: Thanks. All right. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye. Adios, everyone.
1: Our Weezer, and I love you.